Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Mark Sheeran and I will be talking today about how people break free from the addiction and recovery trap. We, along with our colleague Stephen Slate, wrote the Freedom Model for Addictions, Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap, and the Freedom Model for the Family. The Freedom Model offers a completely different approach to addiction that is research-based. We have a real solution. There are two ways to learn the Freedom Model in private one-on-one classes, and that is at our beautiful private St. Jude Retreat and through at-home Freedom Model private instruction, which we do via video conference, usually Zoom. You can also learn the Freedom Model through the Freedom Model online program. And right now, um, if you enroll before the end of this year, uh, you can get uh, the for half off. Just uh, enter coupon code HOLIDAY21 at checkout. And that's for the Freedom Model online program. You can see all of our options at thefreedommodel.org. Uh, you know, today we're going to... We're going to talk about, um, there's a lot of people that struggle because it turns out they, they're not, they don't really have an open mind to the possibility that they can change. And I think that fundamentally, uh, the idea that they can change is squelched because they don't believe that it's possible for them to be different or that there's no options in their life, uh, present you know, staring them in the face that things will get better. Um, and they don't really believe that life could be better than what the drug they think is providing. So their world, it's really interesting too. Their world becomes so small minded. You oh know? yeah. Mine and, too. and I can remember thinking that drinking was everything to me. And I also, have talked to tens of thousands of people that feel the same way. They feel like, you know, this is just who I am and and my life centers around this this drug and the world in which that drug is is a huge part of it, you know, whether it's the the cliched crack culture, right, with hotel rooms and and prostitution and that whole inner city sort of cliche. Or it's just the bar on the way home from work, or it's the six pack uh, watching the game every night, um, or it's smoking pot around the clock as a way to cope with life. You know, they don't believe that that smallness uh, can get bigger and that they can break free of it. And because they don't believe it, they don't even try. Right. Or maybe, maybe they try. But if you're tr- if you're trying to change your preference, but you don't really believe that you can, oh, that's a great point. That's you really know, more to the point. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's you know I'm working with with students. I, I have a both Mark and I have full class loads right now, and and a lot of my students started around the same time, and it's interesting to see the progression. And the students that struggle are the ones that that genuinely. They, they want to want to change, which we've talked about before, but there is a part of them that that doesn't think that that there's anything better for them. Yeah, it, and it's so strange because, well, it's not really strange, I guess. Uh, if, if a lot of these people that we're talking about, I can re- I'll talk about one of my guests right now. He, you know, he's been to thirteen rehabs. Mm-hmm. And so what does rehab teach us? It teaches us, or the recovery society in general, the, the common ideas about drug addiction is that 
Recovery is deprivation. In other right. words, stopping your crack usage in this case will make you feel deprived of the only thing that has value in your life because the recovery society builds up the drug. They don't build it down. Right. They, they don't it devalue it. They increase all. its value. Yeah. So so what they what they're saying without even trying really is that the cliched crack culture this this man is involved in that it'll never get better than that. And that recovery is depriving yourself of this tiny cyclical negative feedback loop life that you're digging a hole, digging yourself into a hole, and that it never, never gets sunnier. Mm-hmm. So, so, so people start to say to themselves, well, the best I'm going to do is getting fucked up. Right, right. If I'm, if I'm, and I had somebody say this this week, if I'm going to have to be sober and miserable, I might as well be drunk and miserable. Yeah. And I couldn't remember thinking that way. You know, why would I, I used to, you know, because I was raised around AA and, and from as young as I, you know, 10 years old, I had, you know, A people around me telling me that you're going to be here someday. You're going to have to, you know, and I'm, I was like 10 years old and they're telling me I'm going to be an alcoholic and I'm going to be sitting in an AA meeting at some point. Um, and so I would drink to those people. I'd be like those poor people. Yeah. They're so deprived. They can't get what they really want. Even as a child, I knew that. Yeah. You know, and and it's a lie. That's the part of it. It's it's a lie that you're being told that you will nothing will ever make you feel as good. Jesus, you know, you're bringing up I haven't something I haven't thought of in a while and that was I can remember being young and uh probably 14, 15, 16 drinking and drugging heavily on the weekends and sometimes during the week now it was spreading out throughout my life and I remember thinking Jesus Christ at some point I gotta I gotta go to AA <laughs> and and right. you know this was just a foregone conclusion but it was still fun even when you thought that right yeah absolutely it was, it was right up until about the end of 16 going into 17 years old is when the problems really started um, I was 20 and and it was weird because I, I was sitting there thinking, God, I, at some point I have to stop this. And when I was thinking it at that time, I was thinking, I don't want to stop this because it's the only thing that really matters to me. Yeah. And the idea of sitting in these godforsaken meetings oh, that I used to go to when I was a kid with my mom and with my brothers and sisters that were in recovery, that were in rehabs, um, I was like, holy shit, I just do not want that to be my life. But I knew that it was going to be my life because everybody was telling me, that's where you're headed, kiddo, mm-hmm. you know? And so I acted accordingly. So so eventually I did get sucked into the recovery trap, and it was as bad as they said. It yeah. really was, you know? Um, it, was, it was framed as, I, I said this today in class, I can remember thinking... Um, about like all the things I was going to miss. Like when I went into AA, I ruminated for a long time on this, um, idea that, that I was, I I ruminated on the idea that I was never going to be truly as happy as I had been. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that I was going to miss out on 
you know, toasting at my wedding and I was going to miss out on, you know, having fun with my friends. And I was going to, I just ruminated on all of this negative stuff. And all I kept thinking about was, God, I wish I could drink like other people. God, there's so many myths that you just described. First of all, the idea that alcohol or drugs and or drugs, um, they build them up so much, the myth that it's the, the only way to happiness, that it's, yeah. the, uh, that it's some sort of mystical experience. And because it's framed that way in our culture, it becomes that. It yeah. becomes its own self-fulfilling prophecy. So not only do you have negative self-fulfilling prophecies, but you also have positive ones. Hmm. You know, And the positive ones, all of these are myths. So the drug isn't nearly as bad as you think it is because it doesn't have a mind of its own and it's not going to destroy your life. This yeah. is important. So the drug isn't destroying your life. What's destroying your life is all the ancillary stuff that goes around with an illicit drug, the illegality of it, the having to get money, the having to lie because of the social pressures, all these other hmm. things. And, and, and then the drug may poison you, right? You may have detox issues that are legitimate. That's probably the only legitimate bad side of it. But, but then it starts to manifest in all these other areas you know, but it's not the drug itself. It's everything that we're doing with the drug. It's the fact that we believe it's the only avenue to happiness. So we do it all the time, which means then you have to deal with the ramifications of that. And so your whole life spins out of control and you're, you're just in, in a miserable, completely miserable state. And you're blaming the drug for that. It's not the drug. It's you. Exactly. It's, you know, lots of people smoke crack on the weekends and then move on with their lives and they don't have nearly the same problems as somebody that's deep in the, in the crack culture, you know? Um, so the drug is built up in all sorts of various ways. It's the most evil thing and it's the most magical thing. Well, how can it be both? How can it be both? Maybe objectively what it is is a lifeless substance that we're using with our beliefs and what we think we're going to get out of it, and then we use it constantly, and anything you use constantly eventually gets old and damaging to us. Yes, and, and here's the thing: I had a, I have a 17 year old student I'm working with right now, and she asked me a really great question last night in class. Um, she's like, so we were talking about what addiction is and what it isn't. She goes. Well, and I said to her, I go, well, nobody gets addicted to something they don't like. And she was like, no, that's right. And she asked me, well, what's the difference between just liking something and being addicted? And I said, well, the difference is, is that once you think you need it, once you think you need, you've done this over and over again, and your world becomes very small, and you're focusing more and more on this activity, right? And so you're crowding out other things. And, and then before you know it, you get to the point where you feel like you need it for certain things in your life. You need it to have fun. You need it to relax. You need it to, to, you know, relieve your stress, relieve your anxiety, and maybe help you with a trauma that you're going through. Once you feel like you need it for those things, then you start thinking I'm using it and I don't really want to, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that's so that you it's never a necessary evil. Yeah. You never actually don't have control. And I talked about this in class right. today too. That's right. You never don't have control. You just believe you need it. That's right. That's right. And then once it's framed in that way, it becomes something other than just a simple activity and a simple choice. Yeah. You know, that's that's just what happens. Um, so it's uh, 
And for some people, it doesn't really do what you think you're needing it for, right? So you you dig that hole, and we were talking about this before the podcast. You dig this hole looking for the sun. And when you don't find the sun, you keep digging deeper. Right. I call it doubling down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You double down on the very thing that is not satisfying. It's no longer, <laughs> it's probably gotten boring to you. Um, there's, a, there's a part of you that is absolutely aware, this is not working that well for me anymore. Because if you believe, if you honestly believe in its magic, then you don't seek to stop it. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. The problem is, is and we'll go back to what we started with. The problem is, is you, you maybe are having trouble believing that you can change your preference. Yeah, I see. I see people. I can remember being like this myself, but I, I see people all the time, and I call it dead eyes. Mm. They, they've they've given up. Yeah. They're not dead, but they've given up, and they've given up hope that anything can get better. And because the the drugs and the alcohol are not providing the magic that they think they've gotten in the past, um, they they've given up, yeah. and they think, well, this is the best it's going to be, uh, and that's oblivion. I'm just going to put myself deep into oblivion uh, and forget the world, and that that, my friends, is suicide already half accomplished. Yeah. You know, so I I think that the belief that you can be okay that it can that you can grow past all that is necessary for you to get there and i'm telling everybody that's listening to this that no matter how bad it seems you could in a moment change your mind about that Absolutely. and become something else and i i can remember the moment where it all crystallized for me where i said you know i'm done anything is going to be better than sitting in this cubicle, shit-faced, 24-7. Anything yeah. is better because I'm not happy doing that. So um, now, if you're still getting, uh, if you're still, if your fantasy with the drug is still providing you some sort of uh, necessary happiness that you feel you need, well, then, then um, I encourage you to keep sort of going with that if that's what you really want. But I dare say, to, if you really look at it, don't you think that when you look around you, that you can see people that have a lot more of what you actually want. <laughs> and and you may say, well, I've never really looked. Well, look around. Yeah. Allow yourself to dream. Allow yourself the possibility, the risk of looking bigger. Just, yeah. the, just, just that. And suddenly you'll realize that there's a whole world you're missing out on. And I've had moments in my life where I got to places, you know, sober 20 years, where I got to a place where I was like, you know what, I need to change this about my life, and I changed it. And once you get practiced at that, once you do it a few times, and especially once you, you do it with, with quote-unquote addiction, uh, trust me, it gets easy. You, you no longer have these low standards of beating the shit out of yourself, digging a hole trying to find the sun. You know, that's such a great analogy. <laughs> so good. So I want to I want to juxtapose this also to to kind of a a different aspect of of the whole addiction thing. When you've gone to treatment or you've gone to AA or both and or you've worked with a counselor or a therapist who's an addiction specialist, what happens is you start to frame all kinds of problems 
under that that umbrella of oh it's because I'm an addict it's because I'm an alcoholic and and this if you keep that identity then no matter how much you're abstinent you're going to automatically point to oh you know I'm having this trouble because I'm an addict and it's complete and utter crap that's that's a great point we have the three chapters that deal with the addict and alcoholic self-image and all it entails and it does become a catch-all doesn't it it becomes a catch-all of everything that is challenging in your life and it's framed as part of your addiction addictive personality uh your addiction is speaking to you the disease is talking to you yeah you know all this bullshit it's just nonsense it's not any of that this is all centered around your thoughts and your beliefs about yourself and the world you live in it's a fantasy you can change your fantasy, you know? Yeah. You can decide to do something different today. You really can. You know, it's it's funny because whenever I get a student, I'll start talking about like like five, six years ago, I, you know, and Mark just talked about, you know, after 20 years abstinent, he still was struggling with some things he wanted to change. That's life. And I'll talk about five, six years ago, I was really struggling emotionally. Um, I got into a real funk. Um, I There was a lot going on in my life. And I'm so grateful that I didn't, I never thought, oh, I'm going through these things because I was an addict. And, and that they're permanent. And that they're permanent, that it's because I'm permanently broken in some way. Yeah. No, I knew I'm going through some things because because while well, I was in my mid forties, and it's called a midlife crisis for a reason, it, yeah. it exists a, for everyone. Yeah, it's a massive shift mm-hmm. in your life, both hormonally and just in general. In general, my kids were growing up and leaving. My marriage was was in a funk. My the business was going through a lot of a lot of changes, and um, so everything in my life was in flux. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is a stressful time. It has nothing to do with a past drug or alcohol problem I had. You know, it doesn't have to do with this mental health diagnosis that I got, you know, 25 years ago. Um, what it has to do with is sometimes life can be hard yeah. for everyone. That's right. You know, so so the, the goal is, look, if you're reading our book if you were, um, maybe you're doing the online program now. We've had some people sign up for the online program. And and, and we've heard this a couple of times. Well, I started your program or I started your book and then I, oh my gosh, my drinking got worse. Or, you know, I'm now I'm struggling with family or whatever. Um, open your mind to the possibility that you can change. Yeah. That you can, not only that you can change your preference, but that there is a, but that you can actually be happy doing it. That's right. So I, I wanna I wanna be really careful here. So there's people who who begin the book and they they suddenly realize they have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I should have said that. Yeah. yeah. And so they, they they double down without continuing the program and without continuing right. they just <clears throat> read the preface to to uh challenge their preference so they haven't addressed the the root of the problem which is their belief that the drugs and alcohol are the avenue to their ultimate happiness right so as long as you retain that you're you're absolutely screwed you know if you retain the preference for heavy intoxication you are going to crave it you're going to go for it so so don't use the book partially yeah, for sure. Get through the entire curriculum. And if you can't without getting totally shit-faced, then you need to come to the retreat. 
Yeah. That's what that means. That means you need to break, you need to physically break yourself from the habit to give yourself a chance to learn the material. Now, that's not everybody. The vast majority of people just go onto Amazon, you'll see, you know, over <laughs> yeah, 100, they do great. <laughs> 100, you know, reviews of people that have done fantastic. The point is you need all the information. You can't do this part-time because the Recovery Society is a full-time propaganda machine. Oh, for sure. So you're being fed a bunch of bullshit that's keeping you digging this pit, looking for the sun. I'm going to use that again. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, and, and you're, you're going to wonder why. Mm-hmm. Because the information you're being provided is absolute bunk. You're not broken. You're not, you're not destined to continue down this road. Don't believe that. Let yep. that go. Believe that no matter how, I don't care if you're a 40-year crack user in, in the depths of inner city hell, you can stop and people do. All the you time. Need, you need to know that the, the, the abstinence and, and moderation, successful moderation rate for cocaine is 98%. So there's very, 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 very few people that continue this to their death. It's incredibly rare. So so now if you're in that culture, you may think, well, I see a lot of people that, that, that it affects, but that's because you're in that, in that demographic. You're in that yeah. tiny little world. Break out. That's the point of this podcast. Break out of that culture. Allow yourself to walk away and look at how the other half or other 90% of the world are living. They're not living like that. Nope. And they may have used crack. They may have used heroin heavily for many years. Um, there's a whole world of people that had problems that don't have them now. And you can be one of those people. Look at the data shows. It's very, very clear. One in three people have had a problem with drugs or alcohol at some point in their life. One in three. That's 100 million people, right, in the right. United States. So, you know, everybody at some – and when you look at the data of had like heavy binge drinkers – it peaks um, between the ages of 18 and 25 and then drops off precipitously as and drug use also peaks during that time frame. And so so at, at any given point in time, you're probably in a room, if you're in a room with 10 people, there's three people there that used to be heavy substance users. And aren't anymore. And they are not anymore. Because they allowed themselves the privilege, the wonderful privilege of being a human being that is a... A, a causal creature. You can cause yourself, you can move yourself with your own mind into a new belief system. You can believe that you are capable of moving on from this That's and right. having a different life. Do not put yourself in a perpetual trap for, because that's what somebody told you you were going to do. Yeah. And I, I, before we, because we're, we're just about at the end of this podcast, but I, when, when Mark talked about the propaganda machine, he, he couldn't be more right because like everybody's talking about the new Hulu program, Dope Sick. Like it's a series, right? Have you seen it yet? Yeah, I saw part. I, I haven't watched it yet, I, but everybody's like, you guys got to watch it. You guys, And I can't watch it. And I'm going to tell you why. I've watched the trailer. I know the premise of it. And the whole thing is about blaming a pharmaceutical company for the uh, for peddling opiates and not telling people how addictive they are. But I want you to sit back and think objectively about something. The opiate problem has stayed relatively consistent for a long time, okay? It didn't get worse. It didn't get worse when the when the pharmaceuticals were, you know, got that that uh, scale, the pain scale. It didn't get worse then. It's been very consistent. 
we we prescribe um but the more we do awareness campaigns about the mythology of addictiveness the worse the problem is getting yeah it's like suicide awareness in a community and you'll increase the rate of suicide exactly this is this is not an unusual phenomenon everybody in the research behavioral research world is very aware of it of the fact that if you do awareness campaigns you increase a problem yeah about a problem okay so so i'm not i'm not watching it because it's more propaganda um opiates drugs alcohol they don't contain addictiveness okay there's not such a thing as addictiveness and um yes some people go through withdrawal um in if they take it you know regularly but that is not addictiveness what that is is toxicity it's dependence um it's toxicity i don't even like the word dependence um and it just means you go through withdrawal when you stop it it doesn't mean that you can't stop it poisoned exactly Exactly. So, so I, there was a part of me that wanted to watch parts of it so we could, we could do a podcast on it and I might still want to do that if I can stomach getting through it um, because it is so popular right now. And so many people that, that are kind of on our side of this are like, yeah, we should, everybody should watch that. Um, and uh, so we might, we might still do that. Yep. yep. But all right. All right. Remember, if you want the Freedom Model Online program, you can get it right now. You can enroll right now and get um, get half off by entering coupon code HOLIDAY21. And we'll, we'll keep that going right through the end of the this year of 2021. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. If you or someone you know is seeking help for a substance use problem or another habitual behavior, or you want help breaking free and moving past recovery as well, you can reach us at 888-424-2626 or through our websites, thefreedommodel.org, leaveaddictionbehind.com and soberforever.net. Thefreedommodel.org is our hub. It has a bunch of resources and information, including videos, these podcasts, free ebooks and you can also get digital editions of the freedom model for addictions and the freedom model for the family um, by entering coupon code freedom 100 at checkout you can get paperback or kindle versions on amazon or one of the other online retailers Um, if you have questions remember you can always call us 888-424-2626 or you can send us an email info at thefreedommodel.org you can follow us on social media including facebook twitter instagram linkedin and subscribe to the freedom model youtube channel you can join our private facebook group called the freedom model group Um, and there are some great leaving iand programming groups on facebook as well and we also have freedom model international Oh, yeah. Which uh, we're, we're, we're this. <laughs> deconstructing Alcoholics Anonymous, where it came from and why it's a cult. And uh, that's Freedom Model International. And uh, yeah, so you can learn about that as well. From everyone here at the St. Jude Retreat and the Freedom Model, we wish you well until next time. <laughs>